Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the CogniCast, a podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people who create it. This week, Karen Meyer returns to talk to Elizabeth Engelman of 8th Light. But before we get started, we do have a couple of announcements. There's still some tickets available for Closure West, which is happening on March 30th and 31st in Portland, Oregon. There are also seats left in the Closure and Spec training that's happening just before the conference. So go to 2017.closurewest.org for more information. And as I record this on March 21st, 2017, Euroclosure tickets have just gone on sale. Euroclosure is happening on July 20th and 21st in Berlin, which they keep in Germany. The early bird rate is 445 euros, so don't miss out. Go to 2017.euroclosure.org for more information about that. If you have a closure-related event that you'd like us to mention, please drop us a line at podcast.cognitech.com. Well, that's about it for the announcements. So on the Karen and Elizabeth and episode 121 of the CogniCast. Today is March 16th, and this is the Cognicast. I'm Karen Meyer, and today it's my great pleasure to welcome Elizabeth Engelman to the show. Uh, thanks for being with here with us, <laughs> Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, um, she is a software crafter at 8th Light, and um, we're just thrilled to have you here on the show. Very excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to start off the show with our kind of traditional question. Uh, And that is uh, something of your experience that you'd like to share as it relates to art. Okay. I, so I have listened to a couple of previous Cognicasts and I heard that question and just loved that question. So I've been trying to think of a great answer. I don't know if it's a great answer, but it's one that's popping to mind is that I recently just wrapped up taking a pottery class. I've never taken pottery before, but yeah, I took a beginner's pottery class. We got to do it throw on the wheel and it wrapped up last week. So I'm going to go pick up my, my finished products this week and hopefully some made it, made it out of the kiln alive still. So, so uh, what did you make? So I made a couple bowls and a couple mugs. And I think what I loved about it so much was that there was such a, a technical process involved that I had no idea was involved in pottery before. Uh, and our teacher really taught us like each step and how to do it properly. He was really intense about it sometimes, but uh, but it was really fun to kind of get to learn that. And then as we went, you know, as we got more comfortable getting to kind of be a little bit more creative and free in what we were doing once we kind of got the basics down and really getting to like work with my hands and like, you know, pottery is mm-hmm. really messy. So getting really messy was really fun. Um, so I'm hoping something turned out at the end of it. <laughs> so is it, is, are you actually being able to use them? Can like eat out of the bowls and like in the cups? Yeah, yeah, we can. Um, the reason I signed up for it was a friend of mine had done the cl- same class and I went over to her house and her and her boyfriend like served me something in one of the mugs they made. They're like, we made that mug. And I, after that, I was so excited. I was like, oh, I want to make something. So yeah, pending them all actually make some of them making it, I should be able to use them 
for consumption for yeah, putting stuff in them and stuff like that. That's super cool. I'm very <laughs> excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always think it's, it's nice, especially since we're, we're software developers and dealing with intangible things. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think it's, it's really nice, at least for me to get my hands dirty and like actually totally. like make something real world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's something that you can physically touch. Physically and touch. Yeah. There yeah, you. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So uh, speaking of software development, um, I, I, I would like to hear your path. Like, how, how did sure. you find software? Yeah, so my path is not the straight, direct path uh, as a lot of people in this industry seem to go through. And by that, I mean a lot of people don't go the, you know, CS degree and then get a job here. People have such varied paths, which I love. So I actually was a um, an engineer major for a year and a half in college, and college being a college kid I don't think I knew what I wanted to do and I ended up stopping my engineering degree and starting to do business instead which was really great because everything's a business it was great to have that background so then I spent the next after I graduated I spent the next few years realizing that I was taking jobs that I was trying to learn more technical skills in so my first job out of college I got to do some html And then my next job, I got to do a lot of like database work. And it was really then that it clicked that like that was the stuff I enjoyed Mm -hmm. over everything else. So I think I took like another job or two. And then it was real. I was realizing that I wasn't going to learn as quickly as I was wanting to trying to learn this stuff on the side on the job. So that's when a friend of mine told me about Dev Bootcamp. And I went to Dev Bootcamp in, I guess it was the fall of 2013 here in Mm -hmm. Chicago kind of did it as a change of pace, kind of a, a career change. I'd never been to Chicago before oh, I decided really? to do it. So that was kind of scary. But Where, where um, are you from? Um, originally from Maryland, right outside of D.C. Oh, wow. um, and Chicago's always been on my list of places to visit. And, you know, I think I had gone a week before that boot camp started to, like, get myself settled and then started a boot camp uh, with every intention of moving back to D.C., but I just really liked it here, and I got a job at Eighth Light, and I have enjoyed it ever since. So, so yeah, awesome. I ended up staying here in Chicago, and I had an apprenticeship at Eighth Light for about six or seven months, where I continued my learning that I started at Deaf Boot Camp. And yeah, it's been really great. It's definitely been the correct move for me in terms of career choices. I think that I probably was always supposed to stay on the technical path. You know, my dad sometimes jokes, you should have been an engineer all along. Like You should have stopped in college. And that's maybe it's true. But it also I think I needed to take a little bit of a different route to get here because it makes me appreciate it so much more. Yeah. Um, just me personally. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, so you you've been in Chicago now and you're working in Chicago. Yes. Mm-hmm, exactly. Wow. Uh, I, I, I've been to Chicago a few times and it's just a lovely city. Mm-hmm. Except that one time I came in the winter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, when I was first trying to move here, I, it was a couple of years, it was like three or four years ago, and we had the polar vortex. And so oh I gosh. was supposed to start at Eighth Light on a Monday, and I could not get here because of the snow and the wind until like Wednesday. So I was like four days late for my first day of work at Eighth Light. Oh, no. and, and in the back of my mind, I was like, why am I trying to go to the city again? But I, I like, I don't know, I guess I like the cold. It turned out, I, you know, cold is cold a lot, yeah. you know, it's not fun. Uh, so just bundling up and bearing through it. Yeah, and actually this year it hasn't, it's been pretty mild. 
Yeah. yeah, comparatively. There were some winters, though, that I've seen pictures of cars getting, like, totally encased in ice. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is not fun. Yeah. But. I think also the fact I do not drive and I just take the train to work in the morning probably helps my not disliking snow because I don't have to deal with it too much besides, you know, walking through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think if I had to drive, I'd have a totally different experience for sure. So the programming language that I guess your first exposure to, was it Clojure or was it another language? Yeah, so during my time between college and actually finding Dev Bootcamp, I had, I think I had known that some sort of, I think I wanted to do something with computers is really like as far as I had gotten. So I did a little bit of HTML and CSS, and then I did take a class, uh, a computer science class that I was supposed to have learned Java, I think all I learned was how to like print my name out. And that was (laughs) so exciting to me, but it took me a while to get much past that. So then I I really count like my first language as being Ruby because that's the one I learned for Dev Bootcamp. Um, And that's really the one I've kind of used the most since then. Mm -hmm. But during Aethlite's apprenticeship, I learned came back to Java mm-hmm. and conquered it this time, did a little bit more than just, well, I don't know if I conquered it entirely, but I did more than just print my name out. <laughs> and then I also learned closure during the apprenticeship. And when I came to eighth light at that time, everyone was really excited about closure and I was so excited to learn it. And, mm-hmm. and I was really, I still am like, it's mind boggling how, how much, how it makes you think so differently. I think yeah. than you know, something like Ruby. Uh, and I think I'm still gaining benefits from that and still like mm-hmm. enjoying kind of that, that newness. Yeah. So, sure. so were you, I guess I see a lot of like the criticism of people that first like see closure. They're like, Oh my gosh, it's the trends. <laughs> I can't right. take it. It's too much. So did you feel any of that or is that not an issue for you? Um, I think when I, I had heard all of that before I started. So I was like very prepared for all the friends and like had been, you know, told a million tools and different things to kind of deal with that. And so I kind of, I think I went in with it knowing all the, all the things people complain about. And then, so I wasn't surprised when I saw it. I think the functional aspect was really something that I had to, that was like probably the most difficult thing was really understanding how the, you know, how immutability works and how, how to even program something without Mm -hmm. being able to keep state, Mm -hmm. which I think is, was a really cool lesson. One of my other colleagues, I think when I was about to start, she, she mentioned how much, how difficult it was to learn closure coming from a Ruby background Mm -hmm. for her but how much she loved it because it made her think differently. And so I also think that was kind of always in the back of my mind is like, okay, this is going to be challenging, but it's going to open my mind up in different ways. And yeah. that kind of being the benefit for, of it. So yeah, it, it, it's, I, I will not call myself a closure expert by any means now, but it's, it's still something that kind of like, as I've been preparing for my closure West talk, I've gotten to do more closure in the past few weeks than I have in the past few months, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that even diving back into it, I've it's changing the way I'm thinking and the way I'm writing Ruby again, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I found that too. I mean, the biggest switch for me from was going from the functional paradigm because mm-hmm. I came from Java and Ruby and Ruby mm-hmm. too. So that was the the biggest shift for me. And mm-hmm. um, now, since I've kind of been immersed in it a while, it's hard yep. for me to go back 
Like oh, sure. I had, I had to like just do some regular, what is it, Python or JavaScript. And I was like, I don't understand this. What is this? You <laughs> loop, you loop and you change the thing as yeah. you're looping. How, how does that even work? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's so funny how you get very used to a certain way. <laughs> do. Yeah. Um, it does change the way you think. But I think yeah. for, for closure in, in a good way. Totally. So, <laughs> so you mentioned Closure West. So you're yep. speaking at Closure West, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. So I got the opportunity last year to work on a uh, client, and they were using Datomic as their database for one of their services. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited about learning a new something new. And as I started to learn Datomic, it was, again, like, making me think about data in a different way. And that was so exciting. So my talk at Closure West, I actually um, applied last year. And and then this year, I kind of, they asked me to apply again. And I actually got accepted, which I was really excited. Yeah, exactly. um, I, th- I think I whispered to one of my friends who was in the office, I, like, I just got accepted to Closure West. <laughs> she like yelled and gave me a hug. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. And so the talk is going to be mostly mostly like going through the basics of Datomic and then also kind of drilling into a couple of like really interesting aspects of it and things that I've learned while using it in the wild. And, you know, some challenges that we experienced and then kind of like other solutions or, you know, hindsight visions of like, oh, maybe we could have handled this in a different way kind of thing. Great. That sounds really interesting. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so this is your, your first closure conference or, or have you been to one before? Yes, this is my first closure conference. Definitely been on my list to go to a closure conference. Mm-hmm. I know for a while they there were a couple closure conges that were in DC and I'm from mm-hmm. outside of DC. So I was like, oh, that would be great. <laughs> go visit my family. Um, scheduling just hasn't worked out until mm-hmm. now. So I'm very excited to go to a closure conference. And I'm also secretly really excited that my talk is at the beginning of the conference, oh. so then I can kind of relax and enjoy you the rest. Locked out. That I is the best <laughs> spot ever yeah. to get, like the, pretty much the first spot, and then you're done, and then you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. And then and you I just, just soak great. things in, and so that's yeah, that's really what I'm <laughs> excited about. Yeah, yeah, that that's wonderful. And uh, the thing that I, I really like about speaking too is it. You, you may not think this, but I'm a little bit shy. <laughs> but it helps, like, meeting people at conferences because you get a lot more people that are like, oh, you've talked about this. And then they, if they're interested in the subject, they come up to talk to you about it. So really, I think you'll make a lot of great closure friends. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll have a wonderful time. Cool. It'll be That's great That's good experience. to hear. I also consider myself kind of shy. So it's <laughs> nice to, to have that, you know, people come up to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it does. So it does. It does help a lot. Uh, and this is also to encourage people to submit talks. And like, if you get, if you don't get in the first time, submit them again. Totally. Because totally. that totally happened to me. You know, I I didn't yeah. didn't make it the you know first you know time or two or three times. So just keep keep submitting. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. And I've got set up with a mentor, Tim Ewald, who's on the Atomic team. So that's pretty awesome to have. Yeah, like a mentor to help me through the process of writing this talk. I think in the application or the questionnaire that asked if you wanted a mentor and then asked what you wanted your mentor to help you with, 
one of the suggestions is like not freaking out. And I totally put that. I was like, yep, that's part of what I need a mentor for among other things, but that should be helpful. Yeah. Well, at eighth light, it seems like you have a, a pretty collaborative environment too. that the place that you could practice your talks, because I think that's the thing, at least that helped me of you know, mm-hmm. getting rid of the jitters mm-hmm. is just practicing it. Totally. Yeah. And I gave a, a mini version of the talk or like just a talk generally about Datomic about this time last year for an all eighth line audience. So I think even going back to that experience and kind of knowing what I talked about then and kind of how I went about it was going to be helpful to go back to, but I am planning make my eighth light friends hold me to it, but I am planning on giving a practice talk to them okay. before, yeah, before closure West, uh, just to get it. Yeah. Get it. All that kinks worked out and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you done public speaking before or is this going to be the first time? This is the first conference talk I've given. Okay. Um, I've done other talks, like mostly at, at eighth light um, in front of an all eighth light audience. So yeah, this is kind of the big, the first big one I've done. Uh, which is really exciting, a little nerve wracking, but really exciting. Yeah, I, I the first time that I like got up on stage and like it wasn't it wasn't just like community user groups, like it was mm-hmm. fine because you can see everybody and there's only like, like 20 people there or whatever. Totally. <laughs> but you look out and like there's lots of people. My uh-huh. my mind just froze for the first like, <laughs> five or ten minutes. But the practicing the talk, you kind of got right. that like by routine. So I don't even need to to think really to get through that first five or 10 minutes yeah. and then my brain can like start re-engaging after being freaked totally freaked out totally so. yeah <laughs> I'm hoping that too like the first bit will be like a bit of an introduction and like the story behind it mm-hmm. which hopefully I like know that stuff you know like my name and where I work hopefully I'll be able to <laughs> relay that without thinking too much <laughs> but yeah practice practice will also help <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's you're in for a wonderful experience. So I'm totally totally happy for you. Cool, thank you. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. So so going back to a little of your business experience, uh, mm-hmm. this is back in college. I mm-hmm. have a theory that mm-hmm. having that is incredibly useful as a programmer. Is that is that true? <laughs> totally. I think so. Funnily enough, my first client project after graduating from my apprenticeship, I worked a lot with, ended up on a team that we did some stuff with direct mail. So like tracking campaigns of actually sending like mail out. Uh, And that's what I did in my first job out of college. Like I did a lot of direct mail work. So having that like common frame of reference and common, common like domain was so helpful because it just made that one little piece something I understood and kind of understanding how and why tracking different metrics for marketing would be important uh, and why that's like, if you lose, lose that information, it would be, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. having the background into like why it's being used. I found really helpful. And I think also like having that ability to like talk to both sides, both like very technical and not so technical is also super helpful. I used to, before I did make the switch into software, I noticed that a lot of times I would like enjoy being able to kind of bridge that gap. And it didn't happen super often, but I noticed that I enjoyed like kind of translating between Mm -hmm. the technical jargon to the marketing jargon and vice versa. And so I think that that kind of has, again, come back into play and how, why it's useful to be able to kind of 
hear both sides of it and understand like where the disconnect is happening. Yeah. Which has been really, I think that is really helpful. Yeah. I I just think it's just such a a great skill to have because I, so much I I see in projects is just about like communication, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and like trying to understand what the problems are. And it's, Mm -hmm. it just seems like if if you have that insight, that business insight to really tease Mm -hmm. out all those concerns and Mm -hmm. then you can bring that into your technical work and technical solutions. You know, that's fabulous. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> so um, I don't, well, the people at home, I can't, I, we, we have the video camera going on, so I yeah. can kind of see um, in the back of, of your room. And you have like all these pictures hanging up behind you. I do. <laughs> I was wondering whether maybe you could, uh, is, is this is this a hobby? Do you, do you take photography or? Yeah. So I actually did a lot of photography when I was in college. When I switched my major from engineering to business, uh, half part of me wanted to switch it to photography and it's one of those where it's like a passion I don't know if I want it to be a job as well mm-hmm. um, but I still I'm like a shutter bug and my family makes fun of me because and my dad was like Elizabeth just take one picture you don't need to take a million pictures <laughs> so these pictures I have behind me are all some of them are like from Instagram that I've taken some of them are ones that maybe didn't make it to Instagram but I, I printed them all out in that little square format and then I've like strung them up on the wall just because I, I do have a lot, a lot of photographs that I've taken that I, I love just because they're personal. And so I wanted a way to like display them and see them all the time. I think that, so that's something I've been realizing lately is that my, or something that I've always kind of felt is that like this technical background and enjoying math and science Um, but then also having like kind of an artistic mind or artistic eye occasionally that I'd love to be able to join those two worlds together. And I'm still kind of like working out how that looks because I notice that a lot of times when I take photographs, like half the fun is like organizing the (laughs) photographs on my machine and like trying to, you know, figure out like the best way to organize them. So, and I've noticed that a lot of like my ideas of projects I've come up with, like software projects, sometimes are surrounded by how can I find a way to display photographs that I've taken. And mostly just for myself, because I want to look at them Mm -hmm. in an easier way and not lose any of them. But I think it definitely has its roots in like, kind of like the data, like not losing that that information. Yeah, Um, I hadn't thought about that way. That's kind of a cool thing. So taking photographs is kind of a mystery to me because <laughs> I guess I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Like I, I really, I really would like to take pictures of my family and, and I do, mm. but they never turn out great. So <laughs> are there any like tips? Like what, what do you look at? Like when you're, I, I guess first of what you're selecting, you know, for your picture in yeah. the first place, what are there tips in, in that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, so this is something that I've also like noticed with pottery where like having some of the basic technical skills in the background uh, and knowing them then allow you to then be a little creative and do weird things that maybe aren't technically correct, but they turn out cool. Mm. So I think I spent a lot of time in college kind of learning those technical skills surrounding photography, like what makes a good shot and like how to frame something, but then also had the freedom to do some like weird stuff in the Mm. dark room or, or whatever. So, but I think that in general, 
that, you know, practice makes perfect. And that's why I take a million pictures. <laughs> like even on my phone, I just take a million of them because one's bound to turn out better than the rest. Sometimes looking through all of them afterwards, it's like these all look exactly the same and I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> but I think, yeah, just taking a lot is how I kind of kind of do that. And then also I've started to play around with a little bit like editing them after taking the photograph. So like, mm-hmm even just on one's iPhone, you can kind of tweak some of the lighting and the contrast Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And realizing that like, maybe it doesn't look good right away, but then I can tweak it a little bit and I'll like it better. But yeah, it is such a photography sometimes is a, like a personal uh, personal, like thing. You just like what I like what I like sometimes, even though it isn't, (laughs) you know, isn't the best. Are there any lessons that you learn? from doing photography that you bring to your software? (laughs) Yeah. No, I've been thinking about that recently, actually, in that kind of trying to plan out what I want to work on next Mm. in my software. And I realized that a lot of times I come back to this one of, I want to get good at my basics. I want to get good at the Mm -hmm. fundamentals. And I think that maybe part of that is similar to like photography is like wanting to know how to do the fundamentals so then I can kind of start feeling like I have a, a good foundation so that I can be creative. And and I think that during the apprenticeship at Eighth Light, like the fundamentals are really kind of focused on. Like that's like the big part of like how to create clean software and write good tests and make sure things are tested properly. And and I think that 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 kind of lesson of knowing the basics and then being able to like use those creatively is probably like the, mm-hmm. the tie-in that I see between those. I, I do have a hard time sometimes with the wanting to know the fundamentals because I want to know all of the things. Mm. And I think that's always, that's so deep, right? Challenge. It's so yeah. deep and, and, <laughs> and wide. wide. <laughs> it's, I want to, yeah, I want cause sometimes like one wanting to understand how, you know, the basics of a computer work, then it's like, well, first you have to understand electricity mm-hmm. and, and which I, I like, I think that's mm-hmm. so fun, but it, at some point when you have to get something done, it's like, okay, I don't under, need to understand electricity right now. I just yeah. need to write this function, you know? Yeah. So that's a good point. Like, how do you, how do you choose like which, mm-hmm. which thread the pull first? Yeah. Of course, computer programming, there's a lot of self-teaching. Uh, so how, how do you, deal with that? That's a great question. Um, I think I'm still working through the best mechanism to, to deal with that for myself. Um, a lot of times it ends up being what I'm working on in client work, like what is necessary at that time and kind of understanding that, you know, oh, I understand how this particular application works, but mm-hmm. but, you know, what are, what's underneath of it or what does the server look like? And kind of start to dig deeper based on what I'm currently working on. Yeah. So I think I'm still trying to figure out the best way to, to explore that without, yeah, getting overwhelmed by having to dig into like to physics or something to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's always a challenge. I haven't found a good way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. Uh, I think that, yeah, just like allowing that process has been has been probably the best thing I can do. Um, just like allowing myself to understand that like mm-hmm. I'm not going to know all the things right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
to being patient, okay. to being patient with yourself and totally. you know, not, not expecting to be over, you know, overwhelming yourself. Cause I, I've done that sometimes too. I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to stay up and I'm going to shove yeah. all this information in my brain. And then yeah. like, I am good for nothing the next day. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so. Totally. Yeah. 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 I actually have been starting to write a blog post for the 8th Life blog about a woman named Hetty Lamar, who was, um, she was an actress in the 1940s mm-hmm. and ended up patenting this, this like system that she called frequency hopping. That was like the beginning of spread spectrum, uh, radio waves, oh, uh, yeah. which is, and I've, probably most people I've talked to in the past few months have heard an earful about Hedy Lamarr because I'm currently like obsessed with her story. But like I was over the holidays and over Thanksgiving, I was talking about her story to my parents and kind of like wanted to understand how radio waves work and like in needing to know that, like wanting to understand how waves work and how sound waves work. And my dad ended up buying me a couple books about like radio waves for Christmas. Oh, cool. Now, which is I, really cool. I don't really, re- I mean, I, I remember her name, but I don't know a whole yeah. lot about her. And was she a spy or something? You know, that's funny. A lot of people seem to think, she, like, get that in their head that she was a spy. I think that there was another actress. That was I it think a different was. one? Okay. I get it mixed up. <laughs> yeah. But she, but it, during, during World War II, she like started, uh, Hedy Lamar did, started thinking about this mechanism to allow like submarines to hop to different frequencies to when they're being guided to kind of like make sure that they wouldn't get jammed by enemy signals so it was kind of like probably in the same like time period and Mm. a movie a movie star doing something for the war effort uh that's more (laughs) you know it's kind of probably yeah just put the two of the together. Movie yeah, star, like war stuff. It's got to be like spy, espionage, yeah, cool yeah, stuff totally. going on, I'm sure. Totally. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, I hope you, hope, you know, maybe I'll hear a conference talk on her, you know, oh at some, yeah. some time too. That would be a really, a really cool one as well. Totally. So uh, I'm going to ask you about a software development again, um, since okay. <laughs> you have, I think, an interesting perspective on it. You know, coming into it fairly recently, I'm going to ask you some things that you really like about it as like a field or sort of like okay. a profession, mm-hmm. and then some things that you find annoying. And like, I'll, I'll share with you one of the annoying things that I, sure. I mean, I, I love software development, but I'll share like one of my annoying things is okay. I have to sit in a chair pretty much and not move all day. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I totally understand that. I have a little room in my office at work and I realized that my, that office had somehow accumulated the one standing desk thing that we put on top of our desk. So it can be a standing desk. And I have one of the like balls you can sit on, Mm -hmm. uh, in that room too. And I really, and I have like two or three different chairs and a chaise lounge. Like I've got a lot of things in there and I don't know how they all ended up in my room, (laughs) but I think it's cause I am trying to find ways to not have to sit in one chair all the time. and solve that exact thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 that's one of the challenges I find with computer programming. Just as it's very one spotty. I mean, you're using your brain yeah. a lot of time, but I, I I've got to like get out there and move my body totally. some too. Totally. Things that I enjoy about it are definitely getting to use my brain a lot. 
it's just having like a new challenge and a new problem to solve like every day, even if it's, even if it's something similar as it was yesterday, it's going to be different in some way. Mm -hmm. I find so fascinating and so interesting and I'm never bored, which is great. And yeah, I think the, the fact that there is an endless amount of stuff to learn Mm -hmm. is really exciting. And, you know, like lately I've been kind of trying to learn more about even like, you know, working with an Arduino and getting to do stuff like Mm -hmm. physical stuff. And the fact that that whole world is, Mm -hmm. you know, like I made a light go on and off and that's so exciting, you know, and Mm -hmm. compared to what I could do. Um, So I guess just like the the possibilities are so endless Mm -hmm. is really exciting. And I really, really love about this industry. Mm -hmm. I think that that also could be like something that is a little difficult is knowing that I am new to the industry and there is, I'm, I'm always, I feel like I'm always going to feel a little behind. Like I, cause I don't have a CS degree and I haven't been programming since I was five <laughs> and I have started to realize that like, I'm going to consider myself a newbie probably for the next 10, 20 years. Like I, I'm, I'm still, I still feel that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's because there's always going to be something new to learn and always another way to another creative way to use that, that knowledge. So, which, yeah, I think that the thing I like and the thing I don't like are very much hand in hand, mm-hmm. just kind of like harnessing all of that, that possibility. And is yeah, it's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you, you, you pretty much hit on the things that <laughs> I like. Yeah. And, um, about the industry too. I feel the, the same way. So I, I've been doing this for a really long time now and yeah. I still, I still feel like there's so much more to know. And quite frankly, I'm always feeling a little behind too. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's good to hear that you feel that way. It makes you feel less bad that I do. I, I think I, really, I think everybody, I, I, I mean, yeah. this industry that there's so much to know, like yeah. there's no way one person could no. ever know everything that there is now. And it keeps changing anyway. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, oh, so one of your pictures, I was um, looking on your Instagram site, which uh, oh, yeah. is on your webpage. <laughs> yeah. And there are some really cute cats there kind of moving away from technology a little yeah. bit. But totally. are they are they your cats? They are. Okay. And I could probably talk about them for the rest of this time if you wanted me to. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm an animal lover, so I, I, I have yeah. to ask about them. Yeah. So they, I got them actually about a year ago. Their names are Gina and Louise and they are brother and sister. They may or may not make an appearance in my talk uh, at Closure West. Please, please. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) When I was actually writing my talk that I gave at Eighth Light about a year ago about Datomic, I had just gotten the cats and I was like, I just want to hang out with them. I don't want to write this talk. And so they made their way into that as well. And so now I just happen to can't help but think about cats when I think about Dejavik. So They're linked. They're linked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what? the way I, I think about it is, yeah, it's very linked to the cats. Well, they've definitely got to be in your talk then. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's no way to get them yeah. apart from it. I mean, that's what I figure, too, is even if someone's not interested in Datomic, which I think it's super interesting, but maybe not everyone would, uh, at least there'd be cute cat pictures. <laughs> I, I am on the personal opinion that cat pictures enhance any presentation. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then it makes it fun for me to write, too, you know, like getting to look at them while I'm writing it and 
think of kind of like almost cat cat centric ways to describe things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're really great. They're, they're actually currently in another room right now because uh, I don't usually work from home and I did today and they don't really know how to like handle that. They like want to be on my lap and like don't understand why they don't get to eat right away every time they see me. Um, so I put them in the other room so they wouldn't cry through this whole thing. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I would or, or you, Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you'd probably hear purring. The one is a big purr. So that would have actually been kind of pleasant probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I've cats, like, I've, well, I've had cats. I don't, I don't have cats right now. I have a, a dog, but I've had mm-hmm. um, cats in the past and they really just love to get on your lap and then walk across your keyboard, which, yeah. you know, is really. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like bat your hand as you're trying to do something. Um, I had, I think I must have when I, one other time when I was working from home, I was running some tests and they were kind of like going on the screen really fast. And Louise comes up and just starts like batting at the screen, <laughs> like wanting to be into it. She's very inquisitive, uh, nice. so she's my little my little pair programmer sometimes. <laughs> See, you could you could build your uh, Arduino stuff like for your cats. Yeah, I, I've seen projects like that, and I've kind of thought about it, you know, for my dog. But you can do like Arduino, like feeders um, mm-hmm. for the cats, and you know, for like water things. And there was one I think I saw on the internet. What was, I don't know, like a Wi-Fi sniffer or something on your cat. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> so, I don't know if you want to do that one, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I. So I've been thinking of doing some sort of some sort of a cat toy because yeah, Louise is very, she's Jean just wants to sit and get pet all the time. Louise constantly wants to play, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, sometimes I can't keep up. And so I want to make some sort of like toy for her that I can just turn it on and let her play <laughs> to her heart's content. Oh, um, wow. Well, and I, you said that and I just had this idea. So yeah. it, it, it's kind of goes in a, in a, in a, a non-direct fashion, but I saw a video on, on, um, on this fellow that had built a contraption to throw balls for his dog. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of like a catapult, and then the dog would bring it back yeah. and launch it in the catapult. But, I mean, cats love lasers, at least my cats yeah. did. Like, you could totally do something with, like, an automated laser. Like, totally. Chase, so the cat would, like, chase it around the room all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I actually started trying to do something like that, and I just took the one laser I had for them and ripped it apart, thinking I could re-put it back together and I wasn't able to re-put it back together and so then I had to buy them a new laser because they didn't have one to play Aww. with yeah I don't know how you would get it turned I guess you have to get some some way to get the wiring so you can turn it on yeah off. but yeah yeah I think that would be really fun and then kind of working through like what algorithm you would use to like mm-hmm. how to move the laser yeah. um yeah that's a really good idea I'll have to I'll have to play with that once once this Closure West talk is done, yeah. I might have to go back to my cat toy manufacturing. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like awesome. And also, there, I'm trying to think of, there are some ways to get Closure running on the Arduino, mm-hmm. too, or oh, at least cool. on the Raspberry Pi. I haven't yeah. looked at it lately, but maybe you could do something with that. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good idea. I might have to, I might have to look into that for sure. I actually did build... Over the holidays, I built a, because I also have a, a beta fish, and I tried to build a fish feeder for him because I was going back home to Maryland mm-hmm. for the holidays, and I brought my cats. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to have yeah. a, you know, a, a pet sitter just for my fish. So I was like, oh, I'll build him a, a pet a feeder. 
so it was just like a little bottle full of food and then attached to a servo that would turn oh, cool. uh, like once a day. And I, I wanted, really wanted to use it, but I, you know, I am new to engineering. And mm-hmm. so I've never built something that someone's life depended on before physically. <laughs> I feel, I felt confident enough about the software, but like the engineering piece, like the, my, yeah, putting it together. I didn't, I was, I didn't trust it. So I got him a, a fish feeder. Uh, I mean, I got him like a sitter to come visit him <laughs> during the week off and feed him. So I wouldn't have to rely on my Arduino based fish feeder. Yeah. I have a similar thing. I have chickens. So yeah, um, yeah I, I wanted to like make an automated chicken thing, yeah. but I, I ended up getting a chicken sitter. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, eventually I'll get there. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it needs like more testing. Like I, I needed to kind of like watch it cause it wasn't just the amount of like food that would go in any given time was so inconsistent. Yeah. I think a lot of fish are probably maybe chickens too, or just would eat until they couldn't eat anymore rather than eating until they're full. Yeah. Yeah. The big, the big thing with the chickens would be like, I, I, I want to get doors that automatically like close at night. And oh, gotcha. th- theoretically the chickens, um, should go inside when it gets dark. Mm-hmm. And I and I say theoretically because occasionally, like, one doesn't it. <laughs> feel like going in for whatever reason. So, so, th- so then if you have, like, an automatic door, then that one chicken's, like, way out of luck, right? Yeah, totally. So I don't know. it's all these edge cases. Like, as programmers, yeah. you got to deal with these edge cases. Yeah, totally. Maybe some sort of a sensor that it doesn't close until all the chickens are in. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, it's a problem. Like, what, what are we gonna do? Like, should we like RFID like all the chickens? <laughs> like, I was thinking yeah. of that. Like, you could count the chickens in the, totally. in the coop or or something. But then it just when I when I think about this, it just gets more and more complex. Absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like facial recognition of the chickens. Right. Before, you know. Right. Right. Great, though. <laughs> it ends up being like a Wallace and Gromit project. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know. If, you're, if it's your hobby, you can totally inter- over-engineer it, I guess, if you want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so you've got uh, beta, beta fish and uh, cats. So that seems yep. like, a, like a maybe not... Uh, like, don't the cats want to eat the fish? You know, I was concerned about that because <laughs> uh, I had the fish first, and I was concerned that they were going to try to eat him, and they don't even pay attention to him most of the time. And I was hoping that they would at least, like, look at him as, like, you know, he's pretty. Huh. They don't care. They don't <laughs> which, care at all. Huh. No. Which is, I'm glad that they are going, erring on that side and not trying to eat him yeah uh, he also is a top on the top of his tank so they couldn't do a little fishing which is great but okay. yeah they don't seem interested in him for some reason well which I is guess that's good very lucky yeah <laughs> do they go outside or are they all in- indoor cats uh just indoor cats okay. yep yeah I grew up with indoor outdoor cats but being in Chicago I yeah don't want to don't want to risk it so they stay inside <laughs> Yeah, I had, um, we, I was in the city and um, with the cats and they were indoors and then we moved out to kind of the, the country. Oh. Uh, so I impressed my neighbors uh, when I first moved in by walking or trying to walk <laughs> my cat on a leash, like in a yeah. harness, because I wanted to get them used to the outside like before, totally. before I just let them loose. Mm. So yeah, my neighbors all thought I was 
this crazy cat leash lady. <laughs> and the cats weren't really used to it, so they were more just like laying just down. Flopping. And then, yeah. You know, I try to encourage them by dragging them a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually have gotten harnesses for these two just in case they ever want to be I don't know, want to go for walks, but I yeah, when, every time I put them, the harnesses on, they just like freeze and won't move. So I don't know if that's in their future or not. Yeah. Um, yeah I do have one friend who she lives in Maryland, but she has four like big Maine Coon cats and has taken some of them out for walks and she's, and they, they like it, which is crazy to me that they actually let her. I would expect them to just flop when she puts a harness on. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe if they get used to it eventually, uh, yeah. it's not so bad. But yeah, the, the freezing is exactly what my cats did. And it was a shame, too, because not only with the harness, but I had taken up... Do you crochet or knit? I do you? crochet, actually, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, it was like into... I was like, oh, I'll make a little outfit oh, for my cat, right? Yeah. as you do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I put it on my cat, and my cat would not move. <laughs> so, so, really, it's not, it's not a yeah. good thing. Cats don't really yeah. enjoy that. No, they, they don't. I actually, yeah, I've made a couple of, like, hats for them, and they wear them just long enough to take a photo for me to take a picture and then they like whip it off or, you know, start crying or something. Uh, it's when, yeah, when you crochet or when you can make something for them, it's like, clearly I want to put it on my cat. <laughs> so I, I'm going to ask you, it, yeah. it, can I have a link for a cat picture and a hat for the, for the show? Oh, in the show notes? Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to make sure okay. I could get that. I actually have one on Instagram. Um, okay. All right. There's a, the women's march here in Chicago and I made one of those like pink hats. Oh, awesome. And then when I got home from the, I made one for myself and when I got home, I don't know why, but I thought it was important to make them for the cats as well. So I made them each a hat as and put that on Instagram. So and I will get you a picture. <laughs> but they, 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 they froze while you're having the hat, but they got long enough for the picture, right? Yeah. So they put them on, they kind of were just like, no, take it off. But then I got the picture and then took them off right away. So <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I'm definitely, definitely yeah. <laughs> going to get that picture from you. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, it's so nice to talk to somebody that has had uh, knitting or like crochet experience. So I'm going to ask you about my first experience with closure and like how I kind of visualize it. And one of the things I really love about it is I love how all the S expressions sort of mm -hmm. chain together. It just reminds me of, of doing like um, something crocheted or knitting that you could just stop mm -hmm. at the S expression and then you can kind of like just follow it through or like unravel it. It's all one big thread. Cool. Yeah. I have never thought about that. But that's awesome. <laughs> that totally, yeah, that totally makes sense. See, but I can tell you, and it like makes yeah. sense to you because I was trying no. to tell this to somebody else and I'm like, I crochet what <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's a great I feel like for someone that has crocheted or knitted that's a great metaphor to use that's gonna help I think next time I look at closure code I'm gonna think of it like that that's very cool I like that just like crocheting yeah exactly. just put all the s expressions together and then yeah. you make a sweater and then you put on a cat and the cat won't move <laughs> yeah. it's just just like a closure program <laughs> just like a closure program <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, so uh, also I, one of the things that I would love to get from you is um, some advice for people out there, especially maybe like two sets of advice. Can I ask you for like two sets of advice? Like normally on the show, we're, we're only like 
you know, just give me like one little bit of a bite. But I want two. Okay. <laughs> and the the two I kind of want to aim at is I I want your advice on people that are already in the software development community that we that we know and you know we love, but also to people that are not in it right now that are like hoping to get in or feel like they're called to it. Like yeah. how how you would tell them to get involved. Yeah. I think, yeah, I might, I'm definitely still considered feeling like a, a beginner. And so I think to those people that are new and trying to get into this industry, I think one of the biggest things is like to have compassion for yourself because you can't know all the things and you're never going to, and that's okay. You can still be like useful on a team. And even if like you still can, can be productive. And I think that's something that as I've been a, yeah, kind of come into this industry, I've realized that I very much am empathetic for others, but sometimes I don't show that same like compassion and empathy to myself. Uh, I feel like I should know this already. And it's like, how, how should I have known that already? You know? So I think that those that are beginning to get into it, like finding a support system that you can ask questions that you think are dumb. They're not dumb questions, but having someone that you trust to ask those questions of is like so helpful. Yeah. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that helped me get into or help me continue with this industry and with software is to just really, yeah, like realize that it's okay that I don't know everything and, or maybe realize it's okay. I don't understand something right away because I will, you will get it. Yeah, it's support systems. Like, um, what are some support systems that you that that you found are useful? Yeah, so I find that so I'm still friends with several people I graduated from Dev Boot Camp with, and I find it really helpful when we get get together every so often and we talk about things. And even though we've taken different directions, it seems like we all are still we're still learning at an almost similar pace. Mm-hmm. Like we're learning different things, but it's nice to get together and these people that I'm like, Oh wow, you're amazing. You can do so many things. And then we talk about like, Oh, I kind of forget what that solid principle means, or I kind of forget what this means. And yeah, I think being able to talk to people who are on a similar level Mm -hmm. and sharing those things is super helpful. But then also like at eighth light, there's no, like an endless amount of people that are, that are so much smarter than me and knew so much more than me. So like having, having them to ask questions of and, and kind of just like to, to watch and see how they handle stuff is so cool. Yeah. So that support system in terms of like those that are like in a similar level as you and those are that are smarter than you has been really great. Yeah. We also haven't, haven't um, hosted one in a while, uh, but I used to host girl develop it, uh, coding coffees monthly. And those also would always, I would come out realizing that like that I, I could wherever you are in your path, like you can help people. Like you can even just like facilitate a conversation. And sometimes I would leave and I was like, Oh my gosh, these people are asking for advice about JavaScript and I don't know JavaScript, (laughs) but, but being able to like put them in touch with someone that did made me feel good. So that was helpful. Yeah. So those are kind of some of my support systems, I guess. That's great. Yeah. I, I, Everything you said just resonates with me. That's, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and then a piece of advice for someone that's been in the industry. That's a good question. I 
I think probably putting oneself in positions where you don't know, you don't know the answer is probably helpful. I think that even though I haven't been in the industry that long, like I feel myself sometimes getting to this, like, Oh, I, I should know this. So I'm not going to, I'm going to find it out on my own, but just asking the question, even if it's not, if, even if you think it's a stupid question, I think is a good thing because then it shows people that are newer that you're not Superman or Superwoman. Like Mm -hmm. you have, (laughs) you know, gaps in your knowledge as well. I remember I went to a, to strange loop, it was my first uh, software conference. I think actually you were speaking there that year, but someone else had given this talk. It was very academic. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I have so much to learn. And one of the other eighth light software crafters was next to me. And he was just like, that went way over my head. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Me, me, like, you know, I, someone, he's someone I respect and think knows a ton. Yeah. And the fact that he, it was over his head too. was like super, like, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, kind of just that, that ability to, to, to realize that you don't know everything is so, so refreshing sometimes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about strange loop talks. Yeah, they just kind of go yeah. over, you know, I get, I get a little bit, but that's okay because, you know, I, <laughs> I, I like that feeling. So there's a lot more totally. like out there, out, the, out there to learn. So. Yeah. And I think Strange Loop talks too, like the what, like when you understand a little bit of one of them, you're like, yes, yeah. I found it. And now I have a, a tiny like kernel of something to go and research when I go home mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much um, yeah, for you. sharing that uh, advice with us. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Okay. But thank you very much, Elizabeth, uh, for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us. And, yeah, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. And, and thanks, uh, everyone, for listening. This has been the Cognicast. You have been listening to the Cognicast. The Cognicast is a production of Cognitech Inc. Cognitech are the makers of Datomic, and we provide consulting services around it, closure, and a host of other technologies to businesses ranging from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at, at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, cognitech.com slash Cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or by emailing us at podcast at cognitech.com. Our guest this week was Elizabeth Engelman. You can find Elizabeth on Twitter at at ebethme. That's at E-B-E-T-H-M-E. Our host this week was Karen Meyer, who is at Gigasquid on Twitter. That's at G-I-G-A-S-Q-U-I-D. Think 8 billion arms on Twitter and GitHub. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production is by Russ Olson, Joe Smith, and Jarrett Binford. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is Thumbs Up for Rock and Roll by Kill the Noise with Feed Me. I'm Russ Olson. Thanks for listening.